0: Hello again, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. You know, it's it's May 28th right now. Um, the weather has been getting warmer and warmer in the last couple of weeks. We've started to return to the outdoor ranges, especially with the COVID-19 lockdown that we've had people looking for any excuse to get out into the outdoors, so to speak, but you got to do it safely, of course. And uh, in our local range over here, Willowbrook Park, we've seen an increasingly larger number of people at the range on Saturdays and Sundays every time they were out there. And as usual, I get a lot of people coming up to me and asking all kinds of questions about their bow setups. And I mean, that's what I'm there for. You have a question, you ask me. No big deal. But one of the most common questions that I get, and it's from both new and seasoned archers, is all about sights. So this podcast is going to be all about sights. Sights is kind of a a wide subject in in archery, Um, mostly because there's so many different types out there. And sometimes I find that depending on how someone was first introduced to the sport, that's probably the only type of sight that they're ever going to want to use. That could be good or bad, depending on how you were set up. If it was just a, you know, a wham bam set you up at a big box store sort of thing. You're probably stuck with a five pin regular El Cheapo site or maybe they set you up with a single pin site. I find a lot of times people will sell you whatever they happen to have where it should be more focused on what the user really needs. So what kind of sites are there? And the reason I'm gonna go through the list of different types and different configurations is because some people just haven't been exposed to it these days with facebook and youtube and all the different forums out there you have a lot more exposure to the different variations and manufacturers of sites but it's not like in the old days where basically you knew about a five pin site you knew about a single pin site and that was pretty much it so let's get started on the different types that are available when it comes to sites like cars you can you think of it They've come up with it before, um, but they break down to a couple different categories. The first one is what I call a fixed pin site. Fixed pin sites are generally sites that have two to three, five, I've seen seven and eight pin sites. They're all contained in a housing. Um, You adjust them to the different ranges and basically they're locked in. So the site itself wants, uh, to quote a Ronco thing, it's set it and forget it, it's what it is. So they're a very basic site. They've been used for years. People have used those successfully to harvest the world-class animals, to your simple, you know, deer that you're gonna see, you know, a regular harvest. It's not anything special, it's not anything complicated, but sometimes keeping it simple is the best thing to do. But each site, as I go along with this with this list, has its ups and downs and i'll get into those later so we've covered a fixed pin site then you have what they call a single pin okay which is also a fixed pin however that single pin site slides now there's two different types that you can see out of that one that'll have a bar that you move up and down that corresponds to moving the site itself the entire housing up or down for different ranges and you have your bar that'll show you what the range is. You slide it to that and say, if I have it at 20, I want to shoot 50, then I'll just slide it up on the bar, which moves the sight down. And then that gives me my extended range. It can get confusing the first couple of times because it's kind of doing the opposite of what you think it would do. But um, the way the levers are designed, that's how they work. Similarly, you'll have other ones that have a wheel to move them up and down, but accomplish the same thing. And in that case, the yardage mark is actually on the wheel. So there you have your single pins. And some of them have two pins in them. They, they're designed to do that, but they get a little bit more confusing on how to shoot those. You also have your sliders. And what's a slider? Slider come, comes in a couple of different variations. Some with a single pin, some with multiple pins. But the lower pin the lowest pin in it is called the slider pin and this is why so say you set up a slider site you have three pins in it you might have a 20 a 30 and a 40. you have a hash mark that you set up on your tape because now we're getting into tapes and it has your zero point so when you're at that mark there your pins actually mean 20 30 and 40. if you need to shoot further than 40 then, if you slide the bar or whatever mechanism they're used to connect to down or up, depending on how the site is built, it's going to rotate that site and it's going to move it down. However, now that does not mean you use the other two pins. Your bottom pin is what they call the floater pin, that's the slider pin. That's the one that you're going to use to aim. So you'll see 20, 30, or 40 at the, at the starting hash, and I want to shoot 60. I now move my slider down to 60 and I aim with that pin for 60. I never aim with the other top two because you'll be completely off and the, the markings won't work. So The markings on the slider site actually after your initial set or what I call the start point, they only reference the bottom pin. Sounds confusing, yes, but people use these to effectively shoot long distances while at the same time, from get-go, being able to shoot 20, 30, 40, or close distances. It's a very flexible sort of system. So that's your slider system now. And then, besides your slider, your fixed pin, your single pin, okay, and like I said, multi-pins and the single pins, pretty much the same thing that you have your, your, your slider, which can be single or multi, doesn't make a difference. After that, you know, you're dealing with target sights, which are all variations of those. But for hunting purposes, which is really what we're talking about right now, and for target, if you're going to be shooting 3D or that sort of thing, we're really concentrating for the average person on these three different types. Of recent years, um, a new sight has come out called an Easy V. This was really geared for judging distance for you. So it's really its own category of sight. And I'll get into what it does. But the point is this. The EZV, you you focus a part of the vitals, the the V around the vitals, and you can go ahead and you can shoot that, and it'll auto-range. So wherever the vitals fit into the V, that's where you're aiming between. It's a different aiming concept, let's just say. I find it helps with new hunters who don't know how to judge distance, which is the biggest problem that you're ever going to see. And I say that over and over and over again, that if you don't know how to judge distance, your best bet is to always be practicing judging distance. If you don't do it well, don't take any chances. Take a rangefinder with you. And... If you don't have the the option of a rangefinder, sometimes the V is the best way to do it because it does the ranging for you when it's properly set up. But I won't get into great detail about how that all works. That's for a later discussion. But I, like I said, I'm going to get into each one of these types of sights and what their good and bads are and how they'll work for you. So let's just say that you are a beginner and you've never shot a bow before. You just started shooting a bow. I will tell you that in my experience, and I've been doing this for longer than I care to mention, I see a lot of people, and when they, like I said, the basic setup you're gonna get, especially in these ready to shoot packages, are gonna be multi-pin sights. Fixed pin, multi-pin. They're, they're in, a, in a housing, in a cage, ready to go. And when someone looks through there, two things can happen. One, either they're gonna pick it up right away, or two, they're gonna get confused. And what do I mean by confused? They're gonna pick the wrong pin. See, the first time you're learning to shoot, it's very easy to make a mistake and pick the wrong pin. Each pin represents a different distance because you, that's the way you set it up for. Problem is, in the heat of the moment, or when you're not clearly thinking or concentrating, You can pick the wrong pin in sequence and instead of picking a 20 yard pin, pick out a 50 yard pin and watch that arrow sail right over the target into nothingness. So what I do with new users is I don't have to, you know, let's just say we we get them a setup and it comes with one of those or they bring me a setup that already has that. I'm not going to say you got to throw this thing away and go get a single pin. You've spent your money. We have to make it work for you. So what we do is we just take those other pins that you have. And this is especially critical for new people. Youngsters. When they see that whole rack in front of them of five pins or four pins or whatever they got. It can get confusing, like I said. So what we'll do is we'll loosen the pins on the bottom. And move them all the way back, all the way to the bottom of the site. To where they're all touching each other. And they're basically out of the way. Leaving one pin up there set for 20 yards. Now if you're a new shooter okay particularly if you're going to be hunting all those pins we want to not complicate things for you we want to make a clear sight picture if you have a lot of pins sometimes the sight picture gets a little wonky when you're looking at it we don't want that we want to have clear sight so like i said we dropped all the pins down now you're only looking at one pin the other pins are out of the way we can get into using them later but for now you're concentrating on one pin i've set it at 20 yards so the first thing people tell me are, well, what am I going to do if if I have to shoot 10? Okay, then you're going to learn in your shooting how far below the normal sighting sighting area you would have to put that pin to shoot at 10. Well, what if they come out past 20? Well, you'll learn how to shoot at 25 with a 20-yard pin, how much higher you have to raise it. It's not complicated. It's easy. And once you've learned to do that, now remember, we're doing this with a fixed pin. You're able to maneuver in there. Now, I'll do the same thing and I'll say, okay, you've got fixed pins, four four of them in there. And we set it for 20, 30, and 40. But what happens if something comes in at 10 yards? You don't have a 10-yard pin. You're practicing the same principle by aiming lower and knowing what your arrow does at a closer distance when shooting that 20 yard pin. You can gap shoot it that way. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But the idea being that if you're just starting out, fixed pin sight, drop the pins, keep one in there and learn how to shoot that. Now, same sight, set it up with four or five pins on there and you'll see 20, 30, 40. And you can learn to sight that in one thing is very critical and this is where if you go to a pro shop or someone who knows what they're doing with this it's particularly critical that they know what they're doing when it comes to setting up the site itself now the first thing people tell me is what's the difference you just strap on the site and that's it done no there's a difference a lot of sites for the most part 80 to 90 percent of them that are made even in the less expensive fixed pin sights, if you look at them, you'll see that they have multiple mounting holes that would move the sight either forward or backwards towards your towards your bow. So some people might think, "Oh, what's the difference?" It's a difference. Okay. If you find that you're shooting and your pins are way far apart, okay, so now I can get to 20, I can 30, get to 30, and the 40. But if I try to shoot at 50, my pin is so low that I have to move my sight so much. I'm almost, you know, it's just not making it there because the gaps between the pins are so big. What that means is that you've put your sight out too far. If you want to make the gap smaller, bring it in closer to the bow. So you use it the first set of screws and you have it the closest setting. Me, I'm a target shooter, but I'm also a hunter. My sights... The first thing people ask me is, well, why in the hell is, you know, you're a target shooter. You should have that thing all the way out there. I'm like, yeah, I could just like on a target bow, but I have it closer because I want my pin gaps to be comfortable yet not so close together or so spaced out so that I can still shoot. Because you got to remember, if you bring it in too close, okay, your your pin gaps are going to be really, really tiny and then instead of look being able to see focus on on a spot with the one pin they may be so close together it's not going to work so there's a there's a there's a middle ground for that but it takes experimentation to see what works for you and sometimes since you don't have a lot of options on a sight it's just either moving to the forward set or the rear set and that's it the other thing with the sights and this goes for any of them whether it's single pin or not but mostly with the multi pins You have to make sure of what pin size you have. And here's the reason. And pin color. Here's why. If you are relatively new to this, okay, and you shoot a ten thousandths pin, that is the smallest pin that they make, okay, you're going to have a problem focusing because it's like a needle point on the end of that thing. On the other hand, if you go with a more, you know, middle ground, like a nineteen thousandths, then that's a slightly bigger pinhead on there, and you can focus it. It's not overly small. It's not overly large. If you're brand new at this, and you're going to shoot limited distances, my suggestion is a 19 or a twenty-nine thousandths pin. Color. If you have multiple pins on there, you'll see... That they can come in green, red, yellow. Some of them, some of the less expensive sites are gonna come with only green and red or something like that. What you wanna do, most of them are user serviceable, and the Pro Shop that you get it from, this is why I'm saying it's better to buy it from somebody who knows what they're doing, can alternate the colors for you. Some sites have different bars that they're set up on when it comes to the pins, and you'll see that you know you can actually alternate it where, you know, you don't have to move them around. Just move a green one up to the top and a red one to the middle because they all have different sliding bars on them that may have two or three. And you can get away with doing it that way. Otherwise, they got to be taken apart. Properly serviced. They'll work just like anything else. Flip them around in there. The fibers will work fine. They light up fine. But what you want to do is make sure that you have them alternating. Why? Because if I see two green pins in front of me, one on top of the other, and I need to shoot 20, and my 30 is also green, there's a good chance I might hit the 30 in the heat of the moment and miss. So I want to have alternating pins. It kind of works with your mind to separate it out. Also, the other thing is, if you're shooting long distance, you may want to have a combination of pins so that your shorter distance pin, your 20-yard pin, that can be a 19 or 29 thousandths. Your longer distance pins should be smaller. Those should be 19 or 10 thousandths. Here's why. When you're focusing at a long-distance target, you'll find that that little tiny pin that is perfect at 20, if you have, say, a 29,000, it looks great on a 20-yard target, it's covering up most of the target that you're looking at at, say, 60 or 70 yards. That becomes a problem. That's why they made the smaller pins to begin with. So pin size, pin color, it all makes a difference with that. And also, some people and it doesn't happen to everybody but it can happen whether it's a expensive site or not you'll be looking down at at that and all of a sudden you realize whoa wait a minute that looks weird you would be like why well the reason why it looks weird is because you're experiencing what they call the starburst so all of these sites come with some type of fiber optic in it that gathers the light and they, some of them also have optional sight lights, which you can put on pretty much any sight that screws in to light up those fibers. What'll happen is if you get too much light into there, you're gonna get a starburst effect. So not only is all that light coming out looking directly at your eye, it starts to make the size of the pin even bigger and makes it very, very hard to get a sharp focus on something. So you wanna make sure that the, that the pins are right for you And in the best scenarios, you have some sites where you can control the amount of light going into the fibers because a lot of the newer sites have the exposed fibers specifically for gathering the light, but there's ways to cover them on the housing that only transmit so much light. So you can adjust it same way that, you know, if you're at dusk or something like that and you're at the edge of the legal hunting hours, you know. You, still, you can, still can see, I mean, even in the woods, I'll tell you right now, it could be 4 o'clock in the afternoon, completely sunny, but when you're in the woods, it's like starting to get so dark, you can't see in front of you. You're trying to focus through a peep sight, remember, which is like an eighth or a quarter inch peep sight. Your eye can't gather that much light, so you have a sight light on there. You want to have something that's adjustable so you can control the amount of light coming on there because in dark situations, too much light will starburst as well. So that's it for the pin sights. Multi pin now we're going to go to single pin. What is the advantage of a single pin? Single pin sights give you the advantage because they are only one concentration point, so you're not worrying about what I said before with all those other pins and picking the wrong one. Some people just can't focus that way, and they are a good option for a lot of people. Again, they work on a lever system that you can move up or down that adjust the sight for you, and you set your marks. So you set it for 20, you go ahead, you get, you move it down more, you get your 30 yard mark, your 40, 50 going along. And the same way, some of them come with a wheel that you do that with. Some come with all types of different aiming scenarios for how to set up your tapes, which will be a whole other podcast by itself, because each company that makes one of these things, especially for a slider site and these single pins as well, like they'll tell you, hey, this is how you set it up and this is how you get all your marks. And then people wonder why those tapes don't actually work for them. It has to do with the setup. But I digress. I'm not going to get into that too much. Single pins are great because they give you a single point of focus. However, like I said before, the multi-pins have one weakness that you can pick out the wrong pin. And too many pins together will become just one big blob and you won't be able to see a target. Single pins have the opposite of the problem. What happens with a single pin is, yeah, you only have one pin to focus on. However... And particular, this applies to hunting scenarios. When you're ranging ranging in on an animal, say, a deer comes out at 31 yards. Okay, you've got your sights set at 20. Now, if you learned how to shoot that thing for 31 with the 20 in its particular spot, no problem. But if you haven't, and you're like most people, you're going to want to slide it down to 30 to get ready for the shot. What happens during that time? You've ranged it for, say, 31 yards. Now... I have to take my eyes off my target, and I have to concentrate on the on the slide on the uh, single pin sight and move it to my 30 yard mark. Done. I did that. I look up again. I'm getting ready to take take the shot. Here's the problem: in the time that you did that, that animal could have moved 10 yards, five yards closer, depending on how fast or how slow how slow your bow is and what your personal skills are that sort of distance can be pretty impactful because it'll result in a miss. So if you're set to shoot 30 yards and he moved into 20 all of a sudden because you didn't notice like two jumps, he went 10 yards while you were adjusting it, well, then you have a different problem altogether. The other problem that they have with them is some people will say be shooting practice at 30, 40 yards, 50 yards. And then they forget to move it back to their 20-yard spot. That in itself is very common. I see it at the range probably once every couple of weeks, if not more. Someone forgets, leaves it on the 50, takes a shot at 20, and watches it sail. That's a problem. Again, good and bad with each type of sight. That's the good and bad with those sights. Now to the sliders. The sliders have, now these are made by companies like Axel, HHA, um, a lot of different companies make them, okay? They're usually pretty expensive. A cheap slider is going to run you about $200 to $250. Some of the more expensive ones can be upwards of $400 to $500, uh, if you're looking at like an HHA kingpin or something like that. It's the quality they put into them. Remember, there's something that's constantly moving now, so they have to put a lot more, you know, fine work into the gears, which means you're going to pay more for it. But also, the other problem that comes with these is the weight. All that extra machinery inside that's going to, you know, those heavy gears, and because they're meant to last, it's going to weigh a lot more. So you're going to be dealing with a lot more weight on your bow from get-go. That's got to be accepted. Two ways to sight them in with a slider you're going to set it for your whatever your static distance is going to be say the 20 you know your default setting you know leave it on there and you're going to you're going to move the pins in the housing 20 30 40 whatever your your default sights are going to be and then you're going to start sighting in after that with your bottom pin so now I've set that now I start using the slider and I aim with my bottom pin only and I can set my 40 50 60 70 80 yard mark and if you keep it to that simple sort of protocol you'll be fine if you want to you know those sliding tapes that they have on there to tell you what you know what your mark is they're a little hard to write on and that can create a problem sometimes so and they can also get wet and you know and then your marks get all screwed up so the companies generally have an aiming procedure to set up the site so that you match a site tape i find that most of those have one problem they assume that from from the bat you know how to shoot 60 yards the average person is trying to shoot 20 to 30 yards assuming that someone knows how to shoot 60 yards is taking a lot a lot of assumptions in there and most people can't so what they do is they're like okay i sighted in for 20 i sighted in for 60 Now, go take those marks, match it up to one of their tapes, and that's the tape that you're gonna use. A lot of times, the first mistake they make is they put it on the wheel or on the slider wrong. Or two, yes, they got a shot out to 60, but they're not accurate at that, they're not consistent at that 60. So, for a lot of people who have never shot 60 before, just because you can touch the target at 60 doesn't mean that that's where your 60 mark really is, because they can't shoot more than a 10 or 12 inch group at 60. So how can you use that to determine the proper distance? That's why I say better off going the old-fashioned way, marking it off. And then if you want, transfer those marks to something more permanent. And what you do is you just put your tape on there. And then if you want to make sure that it's weatherproofed, here's a pro tip. Put some tape over it, you know, scotch tape or something like that. It'll seal it in there. The heavier types of tape will seal better. Just look out because in hot hot weather those tapes can come loose Um, they might come off entirely so you want to make sure it's secure all the time so those are your sliders now i said sliders come in every shape and format you can think of but they all have the same principle on there and that's the good and bad with them they the good they let you get out there really far the the bad easy to confuse something they have the same problem although a little bit more of an advantage over the single pin because what will happen is with a slider if you know you've got three pins in a slider or you have two pins in a slider you know you have got to set 20 30 and 40 and you can use that for like closer ranges when you're talking about an animal's out 60 or 70 which is what these things were really built for they were built for western hunting you have more time because the animal's not usually not too alert. They're not too jumpy. So I can range him. Okay, I know he's at 68. I can go ahead. I can move my sight to the 68 mark. I can go and I look again. And if he actually moved, I got time to do it. Because chances are they're not jumping around because they're all nervous. Because you're not near them, really. So they're not hearing or smelling you most of the time. So it gives you a little bit more of an advantage that way. Sliders in particular are also very sensitive to the pin gapping like i mentioned before the further your your pins are from the bow the bigger your gaps are going to be so you may find the slider that you say oh my buddy's shooting 100 yards with his and you can only get 60 out of yours it's because you moved the bar because it usually comes with a movable bar that lets you get it out further or closer on the bow you may find you have it all the way out there and that's why you bring it in closer now your tape changes All your marks are going to change, but they're going to get closer together to give you that extra um, bit of pop. Here's the thing with that, though. You could still have it all the way up close to the bow and find out that when you move your slider down, okay, to shoot the further distances. Oh, boy, what's going on here? I get it to 60 yards and, like, my arrow is literally a quarter inch away from, from my sight housing now. Did I move down to shoot the extra distance? And now, when my arrow launches, I'm clipping the housing on the way out. That is not a problem with the sight. I keep telling these, you know, this to people all the time. That has to do with the most important part of your bow rig when it comes to sighting. And a lot of people, when I tell them this, they're like, "What?" just hear me out. The most important part of your bow rig when it comes to sighting it is not the sight. It is the peep sight. Now, some people will tell, will say, say to me, like, what does a peep sight make a difference? I have my peep sight in there. I'm shooting like it makes a difference. Your peep sight determines the initial angle at which you're holding that bow, which then determines what your sight marks are going to look like. If your peep sight is so low that, like, when people just shoot 20 yards, they have their peep sight, they're good 20 yards, you know. They The lower it is, they're kind of crunching down. It's going to make their their sight live in a certain range where their max difference, distance is probably 44 or 45 yards. And that's not a knock on anybody. It's the way it was set up. For outdoor, I shoot USA, USA Archery, um, you know, long distance 3D. 100 yards or more for certain um, 3D challenges out there. If I rolled in there with a sight that was set for 20 yards, I would have two things happen. One, I would be very inconsistent past 40 yards, let's just say. And two, that 110-yard target that they put in a total archery challenge, yeah, I couldn't come close to hitting it because I wouldn't be able to see it through my peep because my site wouldn't range out that far. And if it did, I'd probably slam the bottom of my arrow, the, the bottom of my site housing with my arrow. So it wouldn't work. So I couldn't get an accurate sight distance. So what you have to do is you have to move your peep site up. Again, let me preface by saying this. Moving a peep site up should be done in a press by somebody who is a professional, and knows what they're doing. Why? Okay, very simple. If your peep site is, and I see this on YouTube all the time, and you know how much I hate YouTube, but if your peep site is, say, three inches away from your Knox, and you want to move it up to, say, four, four and a half, you're going to think, it's an inch and a half. What's the big deal? I'll untie it, and I'll just slide it up in there. Okay, at the tension that your string is setting at, at, at rest, all that, all that force as you slide it up, you're going to break some of your strands moving it up. That's problem one. Problem two is, I think you'll find, slide it up that way, draw it back, that peep's going to rotate on you. Not fun, because now you can't line it up. What happens with that? That's caused by you putting it into the string you're sliding it up in there you're now causing the string to do something unnatural to it and what's going to happen is as that bow sits at rest whenever you slack it out you know by drawing it because believe it or not and i will demonstrate this in a video that i'm making about another week or two because shop's almost done youtube studio we're going to record our own videos for youtube and facebook are almost done but when you come to full draw and you touch the tension on that string it's almost nothing i can twist it with my fingers When it gets up there, the string is going to try to undo what you just did to it. It wants to work all those kinks out because you just unnaturally force something into a twist that it it wasn't there. So drawing the bow more and more over the course of months, maybe thousands of shots, it might work itself out. But at the same time, when it comes to rest, you'll find out that at rest, that peep, even if you set it straight in there, you know, by sliding it up. Over time, as you you shoot and shoot and shoot, that thing's going to start to twist more and more and more at rest. And even worse, it'll twist more when you draw it back. So that's a problem. A professional or someone who's trained to do this will put it in a press, will mark where you want it to go, will take the peep out, relax it, shoot the bow a couple times, that puts the string back in a neutral position again, will then open up the string where you want to put it, and set the peep in there, and add a, a quarter twist or whatever it is to the string to make sure it lines up with you. But then the good thing is, it's not going to untwist itself, and it's not going to rotate a full draw. So that's how the peep should be installed. But again, if I'm going to shoot longer distances, my peep needs to be higher. So the first thing people ask me is, well, how am I supposed to know how far to put up? You want me to put it from a three inch all the way up to six inches? I'm like, well for some bows you don't have that luxury especially with the shorter axle to axles you'll find that if you put it up really really high and again bow fitment is everything you put it up really really high all of a sudden you're in the serving you know for for your for your string you don't want that so what I'll tell you when it comes to anchoring you know you anchor the same way you can anchor a little lower on your face to accommodate the higher peep let's figure out where that peep should be one simple way to do it first know what your maximum distance that you want to shoot is and more realistically i'll say what is your max comfortable distance that you want to shoot if you've never shot at 100 yards do not assume that you're going to be able to shoot 100 yards start with something more more realistic so if you're a 20 yard shooter who's never been out past 30 yards, let's just say your your max distance is going to be 60 for training purposes or something like that. 60 yards, fine. I like to go between 50 and 60% of that to set my peep height. What do I mean by that? So let's just say my distance that I'm going to shoot is 100 yards. That's my max distance I want to shoot comfortably. Max distance at 100 yards... Half of that, or 60% of it, would be about 60 yards, okay? So now, anything under 60 yards, I can shoot it with a a little adjustment. And anything over 60 yards, I can hit it, and 60 yards is in the middle. So how do I know? You'll know that you're set up for 60 yards because when you look at... You go over there and you look at a 60-yard target, draw your bow back, and if your peep should center just... Take the scope out, whatever, your sight off if you want. Your peep, when you come to full draw your eyes closed and you open it up, you should be looking at right at your 60-yard target. That's what we call your set distance, what I call the set distance for the peep. Serve it in there, start your sighting in like normal, and you'll find that you've just extended your range way more, And I don't mean your shooting ability, I mean the ability of the sight to shoot longer, because now all of a sudden your peep is up, your sight anchoring is different, and you have more room on that sight bar. And that's something that we'll get into in a video where I show you how to set all that up. It's pretty straightforward. Again, any changes to the bow would require, you know, when you're talking about setting up a peep sight, they are very specific, should be done by a professional who knows what they're doing you're going to hear people say this was the old school way of doing it um you should all you have to do if if it peeps rotating on you move a couple strands from one side to the other no you could do that one strand if it's like slightly off i like to put the peep right in the middle of the of the string the exact center of the string every single time cuz once you start moving one strand and then another and another you'll you'll look at the top of the V where the, um, where the where the peep is tied in, and you'll start to see strings crossing that they're not like in the bundles. Well, that can weaken them, one. They can pop like that, two. Um, it weakens the entire bowstring or something like that. I don't like to do that. I would rather spend the time getting it to sit center than anything else. If you know what you're doing, it doesn't take very long. Contrary to what other people may say, my peep's not sitting right. It was either put in wrong or there's something wrong with the string build. 95% of the time, it was put in wrong. So that's all I'm going to get into with the peep sight. So we've gone over the different types of sights. And now you have to say, okay, some people can't aim well. Like I said, beginners have a problem picking a spot or concentrating on the pin. Eyesight's another thing that you have to take into consider- consideration with this. Um, you may need a clarifier for if you're using a lens, a verifier if you're using pins. But you can't, you know, you can't see the target um, very clearly. That's what you use a verifier for. Sometimes the pins are fuzz- fuzzy on you. Use a clarifier for that. But you're adding something else to further complicate it. As people get up in age or people don't have great eyesight to begin with. You know, shooting with two eyes open and one eye open, that just gives you depth perception. And it's a its a learned skill. But if you do it from, from the start, it's easier to learn. But again, eyesight is everything. Some people can't concentrate on that. They can't look through the peep. Their eyesight's not that good. Some people suffer from target panic, the big T word. Because the minute they put that thing on the pin, they just want to let, you know, they put the pin on the target. They just want to let it go. You always have to think outside the box or something like this. Um, The EZV sight was designed for that. The one thing is those other sites I mentioned, you can use them for target or you can use them for hunting. The EZV sight's whole purpose was to allow the person to take the thinking out of it as far as ranging goes and take the thinking out of it where the pin goes so you're concentrating on the target by fitting it into a V. And we'll have a video all about this one. Um, but it's a different concept. It allows you to range and shoot all at the same time. It's great for new hunters. It's great for, for seasoned hunters. It doesn't make a difference. But it's a different concept on how it works. And the reason why I bring up this site or anything else... If something doesn't work for you, the person who's helping you out, be it at the store or you know, at a pro shop, they... Yeah, and I don't mean to beat up on pro shops at all. Those guys know what they're doing most of the time. And I say most because go to a big box store, who knows what you're going to get. But they know what they're doing and they're there to help you. However, they can't spend the whole day trying to help you figure out what your problem is. They have a business to run. If there's nobody around, they got nothing better to do. They're going to help you out. But if you come in there in the middle of deer season, they're they're going to be slammed to customers. They can give you 10 minutes. That's about it. So you yourself sometimes have to go out and seek the advice of someone who's going to put in the time to help you. Again, the coach or a pro shop where you can make an appointment to get time. Like that's what we do. You make an appointment with us. You come down and you'll get, you know, an hour, two hours worth of time, whatever it is that you need to work on your problem. And you're the only one we're working with. They should be able to figure out what the issue is and then work around that for you, whether it's just dropping all the pins down in a multi-pin site Or changing the size of the pins. There's a lot of different options. Sometimes pin sites just don't work for somebody. We stick them on an Easy V. Case closed. It works. They have to be able to spend the time to do that. So there's commitment on both ends to make this work. So that's pretty much all I'm going to get into about the sites. I'm sure a lot of people have questions about it. Email us at our site, highpowerarchery.com. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page. Where you can find us at um, my personal Facebook page, um, you'll see the links on there. If you go to the website, follow us on Instagram. If you have a question, like I said, I'm always here to answer it. If I'm not around and you happen to come into you know come into contact with one of one of my students, you'll see them with their little shirts on there. Say High Power Archery. They're always willing to help, and if they can't figure it out, they'll ask me so there's always a source for you to get the information you need so it's never goodbye it's always till we see you next time stay safe and shoot straight and we'll catch you again on the next podcast